Hi, I'm Dr. Manoj Krishna from Happier Me. Welcome to this edition of uh, Happier Me Live, we can call it now. We used to call it Human Wisdom Live, but uh, today we're going to be talking about emotional intelligence, what it is, how we can master our emotions, why it's important to explore this subject in depth, and how a deeper understanding of it can really transform our lives. To explore this with me today is Bhargavi Raman. Bhargavi is an expressive arts therapist in Bangalore and in, in India, uh, and uh, been traveling with me on this journey for a number of years. So Bhargavi, welcome. Thank you, Manoj, so happy to be here. Um, so uh, the format for this afternoon is that Bhargavi and, Bhargavi and I will speak for about half an hour, and uh, we welcome all your comments in the chat while we're talking. And then we're going to open it up and have a discussion around all these subjects. And your contributions are very welcome. Uh, so, Bhargavi, shall we get started? Shall we begin by exploring what emotional intelligence is? And then we can go into why it's important. Right? You had a nice definition when we started. Yes. Um, so the Oxford Dictionary, I'm just going to read out that definition. It's actually quite beautiful, I thought. It says emotional intelligence is the capacity to be aware of, to control and express one's emotions mm. and to handle interpersonal relationships judiciously and empathically. Yes. Yeah, so it's alluded to a lot of wisdom there, right? Yes, that yes. We aware of, we're able to uh, move it or, you know, work it and also to express it, these emotions. Yes. And that's emotional intelligence. Yeah. And most people struggle with that. And of course, it's a very topical um, problem right now, because most companies are saying that their um, staff lack emotional intelligence, that it's really critical to our success in the world, and that universities don't teach it, no school. So if you wanted to learn emotional intelligence, you wouldn't know how to begin or how to make sense of what's going on. Um, and what are the other ways it contributes to our life, you think, Bhargavi? I think it contributes in every every domain of our life, right? Um, whether it's happier relationships and relationships are everywhere, at the workplace, at home, with our parents, with our children. Um, and um, the, in, if we are attuned to our own emotions and to others' emotions, that can really reduce conflict. Uh, because we are on the same page that way. So if we're emotionally intelligent, then we're reading each other well, and that can lead to happier relationships. Yes. And, and in general, better working relationships, so more success. So it, it has a lot of different ramifications in different aspects of life. And all the research is now showing that it has a huge contribution in terms of our overall success in life, whether it's our careers or our personal lives. In fact, Daniel Goleman, who's written the book on it, says it contributes up to 80% of a person's success, much more than our grades in school and our college degrees. And, you know, and if you look at the people who fail in leadership positions, invariably, political leaders and leaders of companies, etc., it's because they've lacked this emotional intelligence or this understanding of their emotions and how to sort of apply it properly, right? Um, but it can also contribute to our communication skills. How do you think it could help in that? 
Yes, definitely. If uh, um, if I lack emotional intelligence, then I'm not going to know what to say to you in any situation, which is appropriate or empathetic or non-judgmental, which will then foster our relationship further, right? Yes. But if I lack it, then I'm going to create a lot of friction. Yes. Um, and that's, um, then there's a breakdown of communication that could potentially be. So would you say it boosts our sensitivity? So we become more sensitive to us, what's happening in ourselves, but also what may be happening in someone else that they may not be able to express, for example. Right. It's much more than it's what's lying behind the words, for example, that and uh, yeah. emotional intelligence allows you to pick that up. Right. And you pick that up, not just that awareness, but also the capacity to process it to know what's going on behind that emotion as well, right? Yes, yes. As we were talking just a while ago, Manoj. And uh, the emotion is happening. And if I can pay attention to why that's happening or where that's coming from and where that might be coming from for the other person, it's also going to help me make better decisions right? yes. because I understand the underlying reasons for that emotion or the thoughts behind it or the, you know, and, but if I don't, then I'm acting just from that emotion without really understanding it. And it can lead to uh, poor decision-making. Oh, absolutely. I think there's reason. It shapes the course yeah. of our lives, you know, in so many ways. Like if I'm not aware of the nature of desire, for example, you know, I can be led astray by my desire for, you know, uh, uh, buying something I may not be able to afford, for example, or getting into a relationship which is unsuitable for me just because... Or my fear of something may stop me from connecting with another human being. And so in this way, if we don't have this understanding, as you say, it can shape the course of our lives in ways that are not, does don't serve us, right? And I think lastly, a deeper understanding can help us avoid suffering. Because so much of our suffering comes from a lack of understanding of our own emotions. Can you think of an example? Yes. We talked about expectations or, or, earlier. Hmm. Um, I think it has to do with um, when we don't understand why we feel what we're feeling or, or what is the patterning that's going behind repeatedly, you know, playing out the same thing in my life, hmm. which I then feel is like causing me suffering. Then and if I'm not inquiring into it and making a deeper inquiry into that, then I'm not really learning from it. And that causes suffering more because then I'm unconsciously repeating the same emotional patterns. I'm attracting the same avoidant partner or, you know, um, uh, I'm making the same sort of mistakes that work interpersonally, which is making people go get away from me or, and I don't understand why that's happening, right? Yes. So that causes loops of suffering that way. Yes. So much of our suffering comes, say from our fear or mm -hmm. our, anger or our loneliness you know which we don't understand right um, so so many emotions cause suffering and we're going to be exploring uh, what's behind all that yeah um i think the biggest emotions that are worth really exploring and which would take us a long way in developing our emotional intelligence would be fear yeah um um, it could be and the pleasure pain principle that I think drives us very biologically are craving towards pleasure and avoidance of pain, which shows up in so many emotions that, right. but this is a more underlying pattern really of those emotions, the pleasurable emotions may be being 
um, feeling loved or joy or you know I'm chasing some of these things and the and the and the emotions that I'm avoiding maybe fear or anger or um, loneliness yes. right but these are all feelings that we all feel and um, either chasing after one or avoiding one is again that trap of suffering so can I pause with each of these emotions and really look behind them and understand them at a deeper level yes I think that's what emotional intelligence and is. And of course, some of them don't have a name, right? Sometimes we feel something like an ache inside. We can't yeah. give it a name. Sometimes we have a sadness without a name. Nothing has triggered it, but I'm feeling sad inside. What's causing that? Um, so sometimes we can name them. Sometimes we can't. Now, my next question is, do you think they're all linked to thinking? It's not obvious, but do you think they might be? Whether emotions are linked to thinking yes. and thoughts, yes, I think one hundred percent. But it's a which comes first. We don't really know. I think um, um, it's a, or maybe one comes first, and it's just so quick. I, I, my sense is that thoughts and emotions are so interlinked um, that only when one really slows down uh, can we see a thought really for what it is and the emotion which happens in the body. Yes, uh, and the interlink. Right. Um, if I think of a snake, my heart rate goes up. Yes. Yeah. And, and by I the same token, open, sorry, mm -hmm. by the same token, if I think of something else, my fear goes exactly. up. Right? I was so, just saying, if I think of the ocean, my heart rate goes down and I become yes. calm. Yes. yes. Um, so behind so every emotion, emotion is probably a thought, right? You think? I don't know. <laughs> I think sometimes emotions come first, um, like, you know, um, and I think those, those, especially those happen for people who have undergone trauma, for yes. instance, like yes. something might just very quickly trigger that nervous system pathway. And it's just the feeling and we don't really know what thoughts are like. So, so some, some panic disorders, et cetera, where the felt sense is so strong. I yes. think it can come up and viscerally and the thoughts come later, but there's definitely an interlink. Yes, yes. No, I agree. So I think when I'm anxious and I distract myself, my anxiety goes away. Or I'm sleeping and I have no anxiety, but the moment I wake up and I think of something. So these are little clues that you're right, but sometimes you're right, the pattern gets established so strongly that uh, the slightest trigger will create a powerful you know, emotion in ourselves. Okay. But this does mean that if we can go deeper and understand our thinking, we then can get a handle on some of these emotions, which may be otherwise difficult to do. But the name of the emotion is not the emotion, right? That's the main thing to realize. The word anger doesn't communicate what it actually feels like, or the word loneliness doesn't communicate what it feels like. Hmm. So there's two levels of uh, stuff going on here, right? At one level, I'm identified with the emotion that this, I'm feeling a set of sensations and some thoughts and all of this, that's the reality. Mm -hmm. But I begin to associate myself with that and say, I am a lonely person, or I am a 
sad person or I'm a jealous person, right? I, and I identify with the experience of that emotion rather than seeing it for an emotion that shifts and changes and it's impermanent and it moves along on its way. And today I'm angry and tomorrow I'll feel joy. Um, but and the second level of what's going on, what you're saying is that not only do I see that I am feeling that emotion, but that someone else is responsible for it. Yes. And, so that's, um, yeah. yes. There's no agency anymore then. Then you're free to, you know, what whatever Manoj says is going to hurt me or make me sad or, you know, make me joyous and happy. And then I've given up all sense of agency over my own emotions and my emotional world. So this is so important. So let's just go slowly here. What we're saying is something happens out there a trigger and it creates a reaction in my mind which I label as an emotion right so say I don't know you haven't rung me on my birthday that's the trigger and then my mind reacts with anger okay and I blame you for hurting me and then my mind reacts and says well I'm not going to talk to you again and I'm not going to wish you on your birthday and all that our relationship is over, you know, all those reactions. Yeah. But we're saying here that we're always focused on the trigger. But if we become curious about our reaction and what's behind that, then I realize, for example, that behind my anger is disappointment. And behind my disappointment is an expectation. And that expectation comes from my own thinking, right? So in a way, my mind is responsible for my own feeling of hurt because the expectations created here, which you haven't met, and I blame you. Do you see what I mean? So it's not just about recognizing that we have an emotion, but also being curious as to what's behind it. Um, what do you think? Yes, that sums it up really well, yeah. Um, similarly, I think you could take anything. I'm lonely because uh, I don't have a partner. But there are other people who are lonely because they have a partner. <laughs> so obviously, it's not the being with somebody that is responsible. So then I can be curious, saying, what's going on in my mind to make me feel lonely? Not what's happening to you. And then I realize, ah, I have a need to communicate, to connect, to be distracted from my own inner emptiness. And because that need is not met, I say I'm lonely. So this curiosity about what's going on in our mind, behind the emotions we feel, that can really open the door to a deeper learning and bring transformation. I, yes. I think the experience of the emotion itself is very much real. It's real, right? I yes. feel the loneliness. I feel that gut-wrenching sadness in my belly. And when I feel anger, I feel that uprising of heat, for instance, or, you know, and all these thoughts of rage or of wanting to hurt the other person, etc. The experience is very much real. Yes. But I think what we're saying is um, if we start observing it and noticing it for what it is, we can we can tell that 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 emotion is coming from our own thinking and so therefore we can manage it we can hold it we can you know work with it and shift it to live a happier life right yes, yes. 
So right now, the way our mind is wired, and it's not unique to one person, the human mind's like this. It's reactive. We blame others for what we feel. We feel we are helpless because we can't control these emotions. I can't control my stress or anxiety or anger or, you know, try as I will. And we talked about it. I know many couples where one of them has an anger issue, so-called, very apologetic after the event, but unable to control that anger reaction, see? Because invariably, I think somebody else is responsible for it. And I don't take ownership of what's happening. Okay, so let's talk about uh, fear, Bhargavi, because as we said, it plays such a huge role in all our lives. And if we could live without fear, the world, our lives would change, the world would change as well, right? Um, what insights can we offer using this approach of not saying it's right or wrong, but being curious what's behind it? What could we offer? Mm. Fear is one of the oldest, most primitive emotions, right? It's our danger detection system that we've had from the very beginning. So it's a very primal and uh, deeply coded emotion. Uh, so I think this, the, the patterning of fear happens very quickly and can can be the hardest to sort of unearth and see for what it is. Yes. Um, because the conditioning pathways are so deep-rooted. So... Every time I think we feel fear, our survival mode nervous system kicks in and our thoughts become narrow, right? It's it's really that laser focus on that one glint of eye of that leopard in the forest that, you know, our brains automatically kicks in and just goes laser focus on that, that source of that threat. But in modern life, we don't have leopards and bears that we're afraid of, right? Our anxieties are more everyday. It's that my husband didn't say hello to me when he walked into the door or... And so fear is such a primitive, like quick pathway. Um, but I think it's possible to notice it. And it's very much possible to sit with the somatic experience of fear. How do I, what happens? Does my throat tighten a little bit? Does my breath get shallow? And what happens to my thoughts? I start focusing only on that. Possibility shrinks. Yes. All of this happens when fear happens. You know, I just so, had this... Uh insight that we believe what we feel is true yes we never question what we feel do you know what i mean like if like let's take that example my husband walks through the door you're my wife and she doesn't say hello and i think ah all the things that follow i never doubt my own mind right i assume that whatever's happening here is true so that's probably the first step to intelligence is to realize that what we feel may not be true. It's just the way our mind is reacting to that situation. And just being able to step back and question that reaction and our assumption, that could open the door to intelligence, right? Right, Manoj. I think uh, one of the, in NLP, we talk about these three filters, right? That the mind has, which is distortions, uh, generalizations and amplifications. Okay. Um, and these are all three ways in which thoughts can really distort. Like, for instance, there's a rope lying on the floor. I look at it in that instant. I think it's a snake and I believe it's a snake. It's a distortion, right? Or I generalize. One person didn't say hello to me. Nobody loves me. Generalizations. These are all ways in which, th you know, thoughts are not really true, uh, but can create a lot of emotion for us, fear. Yes, yes. 
Jenny's kindly put in the chat that Byron Katie said, ask yourself a question. Is it true? You know? So, um, and uh, I think that's such a useful question to ask. So what we're now coming to the understanding that these emotions are an unconscious reaction from automatic reaction from our unconscious mind. And yes, we can either live day to day and just follow them, or we can be curious as to what's behind them. And the emotion itself is a pathway to understand the unconscious in a deeper way, right? So for example, let's take fear. So behind, why am I afraid? What's causing that? And what am I afraid of? Being hurt, okay. Who is going to be hurt? Well, I am. So what is this I that is hurt or is worried about being hurt? So these uh, emotions are a doorway into a deeper understanding of what's happening in our own mind. And once I wake up and realize that, as a 10-year-old child once told me, your fear is just your imagination playing up. You know, it's not real. Um, and once you see that clearly, it can just dissolve. It's like a mirage, it just goes away, right? But mm. the challenge is to see clearly. Yeah. And sometimes the emotion can be very helpful. I think all emotions are serve a purpose also, yes, right? Of course. It may be legitimate and valid. You know, the fear may be telling me I'm in an unhappy marriage or there's an anxiety that's telling me that I'm not okay where I am. Something needs to change in my environment. But I'll come to that only when I sit with it and inquire into why do you exist? If I keep avoiding it or distracting myself from it, I'm never going to arrive at what I might need to hear myself today. So I think there's a very positive role also that these emotions play, but it's a deeper inquiry that will get us there. No, no, of course, to ask yourself, how is this serving me? So for example, right now in the world, one in five people suffer from anxiety, roughly in most studies. And each of those people think their anxiety is caused by something on the outside. That's the way the mind is wired. But the person who's anxious is anxious about everything. You see, the mind that's anxious is anxious not only about one or two things, but about 25 things, for example. But it believes that each of those 25 things are real. But when you begin this journey of learning about where these emotions come from, from your own mind, what's going on, then you realize, as you said, it's a distortion of thinking. You're seeing a snake when it's actually a rope, or you're imagining the worst in the future, or whatever it might be, but it's where, um, where the mind is, and that's what's causing the fear in the first place, right? Okay, so now we've got so far, Bhargavi, how can we respond with intelligence? What's the key that will unlock this deeper understanding of our emotions? If someone wanted to be emotionally intelligent, what are the baby steps they could start taking? Um, first, to acknowledge that I feel emotions. Yes. That that there is an experience of different variety of emotions that I undergo day to day and that changes yes. uh, and a curiosity and an ownership that yes, I experienced this and I'd like to understand it better. So that willingness and that 
openness to knowing what's really going on to understanding what's really going on i think is the first step manoj everything comes after that right let's just slow that down because you've said three things so quickly but they're actually really uh, very powerful and beautiful so you've said we need to be aware of it right quite often we're not aware because we feel it in the body we're not even aware that we are angry or the second is to take ownership. That's so hard. You are not responsible for my anger. This anger, okay, that's the trigger, but the reaction is in my mind. I'm going to take ownership of that reaction. Why? Because I'm going to learn something from it. And the first step to learning something is to be curious. Okay. So... Uh, and we have not been taught these basic skills, how to be curious about what we're feeling, how to be able yeah. to take ownership of our own emotion. Because at that moment, my mind is screaming and telling me, no, no, Bhargavi is responsible for my pain. She has decided to leave me. We are married. It's her fault that I'm hurting. See what I mean? or her fault that I'm angry. How do we move past that? That's not easy for a lot of people to do, take ownership. Right. It's very hard. It's very hard, I think, to do that. that but that's the biggest and the first step. Yes. Um, my sense is just witnessing, right? Just observing that emotion, just non-judgmentally with compassion that ah, I'm feeling this uprising of heat and it feels like anger. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's happening to me. Yeah, whatever the cause was. So becoming more attuned and intelligent and in really understanding what's going on with me and accepting that as it is, that this is an experience that's happening right now. And that's all. There's nothing more or less to it. I think that's a very mindfulness pathway to opening something there's a door that opens i think when we just sit with it and say okay this is my experience and that's it yes so right? you and said then... something really beautiful which is not to not to look at our emotions with any judgment we wouldn't look mm. at the moon and say it's right or wrong we just say hey that's a moon we're going to learn from it study it similarly our anger or jealousy or loneliness or desires are not right or wrong and also, we talked earlier, they can't be suppressed. If you try to suppress them, all sorts of other problems emerge. You know, Suppressing your anger it just comes out somewhere else, you know, in your body or your body gets ill or suppressing your stress or anxiety. So suppression doesn't work, but understanding can bring freedom. That's what we're saying, right? Okay. So we've become aware of it. We've taken ownership. We're curious. We're not judging as right or wrong. Okay. And what else can we do then to begin this journey? And then when we're, when we're able to just hold the emotion and breathe through it, right? Okay. Breathe. I'm feeling that loneliness in my belly and I'm and I'm having all these thoughts, okay? I'm holding it. And then I can inquire into the thought. I can say, okay, what's really causing this? Or can I just sit with this emptiness that I'm feeling? And what happens if I can just sit with it and say, okay, I'm curious. I'm sitting with an open mind and a curious mind. And then even the thoughts that led to it in the first place 
can be subject to examination and change. And often it helps to do it with somebody else because we're not used to doing this inquiry on our own. So initially it's helpful um, to get started. Yes. Um, build the breathing is so good, right? Uh, but you need to do this breath work even before. And the more breath work you do, the calmer your mind is, the you can see the, the anger first arising, the first part of that emotion. And then you've got some, manage, you can manage it better. But otherwise, if your mind is not sensitive and calm, then you're just reacting, you know, all the time. Okay, yeah. so you've taken that. And then what's the next step? So you've done all that. Then is there a question we could ask that would help us deepen our inquiry? Um, I think what, um, who, who is it who put it in the chat? Um, Jenny. Uh, Jenny was saying, is it true? I think yes. another question you can ask is, how do I know it's true that yes. this thought? Yes. Right. Yes. And often we're like, oh, it's just my assumption of it. And then that's questionable, right? And yes. then, uh, then you realize that, oh, I don't need to be feeling this emotion in the first place. It's my thought is not even true. Or if you and, understand what's behind it, you can act intelligently yes yes see so suppose we're in a relationship what can i learn from it really yes that's the yes, question. yes. that's I a beautiful question it? what can i learn from what i'm feeling right and is there another way for me to look at this thing because mm -hmm. my mind is telling me what i'm feeling is true but i'm i know that that isn't always the case so i'm doubting it and if we said that behind all our emotions is a thought. Mm. Say stress, anxiety, fear, loneliness, whatever. Then if we can meet that emotion without thinking, mm. we cut off its oxygen supply and it can just dissolve. Right. Beautifully said. Right. And you can learn that from beginning to look at a tree. You can look at a tree without naming it, just observing what's happening. So one can observe without naming. And if you can do it with a tree, you can do it with an emotion. Please don't take my word for it. I, whoever's listening to this, either here or in the future, try it and see. And it's a magical tool of, in your toolbox because it allows you to deal with very powerful emotions and get on top of them so they don't kind of, um, you know, shape your life. Because all our emotions prompt an action, don't they? They prompt us to either escape from it or blame somebody or, you know. But let's talk a little bit more about sitting with Bhargavi, sitting with an emotion. That's, again, not easy, is it? Yeah, what you just said, Manoj, is so beautiful that, you know, you meet that emotion directly, head mm. on, face mm. to face, uh, without thought. And I think that's what sitting with it really is all about. And, mm. you know, there are these monks, I think in uh, Bhutan, who uh, the 36 generations of monk who's, monks who just teach the art of sitting. Mm. 36 generations of monks who just practice sitting, right? Mm. And that's such a beautiful thing because for me, sitting really means that I'm just holding it, I'm connecting, I'm feeling it, I'm allowing it to take space in my consciousness and I'm just there as that emotion. I'm experiencing it right now. I'm just present to it okay. and I'm connecting with it. 
And that's so hard to do because the mind is going to constantly distract and take us away from that pure experience. And in that, something really shifts. There's a doorway. There's something shifts in that act of just sitting with it. So understanding what's behind the emotion, taking ownership, sitting with it, all of these awaken this deeper intelligence in ourselves. We call it emotional intelligence, if you like. But it comes from this journey of learning about ourselves and what's going on in our own mind. You can't just say, I want to be emotionally intelligent and read a book and you'll be, you know, it comes from actually doing the work of looking and learning about yourself. Okay. I'm going to pause here, um, Bhargavi, and just take two minutes to show people the uh, app, Happier Me app, and then we'll come back with, um, and I hope everyone's got their own comments and questions to share with us all. On your phones, but it's also on uh, Google Play and App Store. So there's a lot of content, but in here, there's a whole section called Manager Emotions. And uh, a lot of the things that Bhargavi and I have been talking about are here. For example, the other day, a man told me that for the first time in his life, he realized his wife wasn't, wasn't responsible for his anger. And this deeper understanding helped him to realize it came from his own thinking. And that transformed um, their relationship. So similarly, the app goes into depth of what is loneliness and um, loneliness, you know, affects 60% of us and uh, causes all sorts of problems. So uh, there's, of course, um, the art of inquiry, um, how the mind works, and so on. So I'll leave people to explore that for themselves in depth. We have a new design coming in a month and an app for teenagers which is going to arrive in uh, by the end of the year. Okay, so I'm going to open it up for uh, questions. And I always ask Gopalan first for his his two pennies. Uh, thank you, Gopalan. Thank you. Okay, uh, I think uh, it was an interesting topic that we went through. Um, and my own thoughts on this is that it's interesting we call it emotional intelligence when actually our emotions have no intelligence. We are basically introducing <laughs> intelligence. We are basically, because it's, it's a, a real primitive thing. It, it's, uh, uh, it's almost like a con condition reflex action, you know, uh, fight or flight, whatever it is. And basically what we're doing here is to introduce intelligence to the emotions that we are experiencing. Yes, yes. So we're bringing intelligence to the emotions we're experiencing because on their own, they don't have this deeper intelligence. Yeah. As, as somebody said, it's our reptilian brain that's reacting, you know, to so, that. Well, I think from, from my observation, um, the speed at which, as has already been said, the speed at which we're triggered and we react is too quick for the average person. And I say you have to create a gap between trigger and reaction in order to create a measured response instead of reaction. And in the moment, I don't believe the average person has that capacity. So I think sitting back after what I found was afterwards, reflecting on what 
I've just done, that creates the awareness of what's just gone on previously. And by keep doing that, you create the gap. Because without the gap, you react. Yes. That's well, thank I'm, you yeah. for that. So you said two really great things. One is that there are practices that we can do to create that space between the trigger and the response. And you mentioned one, which is tapping. There's breathing, there's yoga, there's meditation. Sometimes uh, all of these together in some form or the other can really help create that space. But I think the second thing you said is that even if you haven't been able to control the reaction, which often we can't, you've learned something, which is what we've been talking about here, learning from our emotions. And in that learning, some change starts occurring. So if I learn that my anger comes from me, the next time I start feeling angry, I'm less likely to react to you. I'm more likely to say, okay, I'm feeling this, I need some space to go and sort it out, you know. Um, I think what you're describing, Natalie, is pretty much most of us and most of this world. Um, and it's really a, a journey in becoming friends with our emotions and to know how we do it in a day-to-day, moment-to-moment way. And I really like the, the term doing emotions because it happens in the body. It's not just in our thoughts. So there's so many layers I, I think you're alluding to uh, in what you shared of being aware and uh, taking responsibility and acting in a judicious and empathic way, right? As the definition of uh, emotional intelligence goes. So um, there is, it's a very multi-layered thing, this emotional intelligence. Yes. Um, yeah. So Jenny's just shared that if we think it's always someone else's fault, we're never going to look to ourselves. And that's what our mind tricks us into thinking. So there's no learning, see? And when we talk of the growth mindset, I mean, these are all words that are popular these days. Real growth only occurs if you take ownership of what's happening in your own mind and are curious as to what's behind that. And that journey of learning about yourself and your emotions is what really leads to emotional intelligence. And if you're interested in that, then we've developed all the resources and the inquiry tools to help you do that. Um, anyone else have a thought or a comment to, they want to share? Um, uh, Anna? I think um, I agree. I agree in, actually with, with everyone, and I see it from different perspectives. I, I work with, uh, with players in, and, um, in, in performance, so sport performance, and I really believe that the thought become things and that um, it affects the way we feel and then the way we feel it affects the way we behave and the way we behave then affects our performance. So. Interesting what you said. So our thoughts, which begin in our unconscious mind without our own awareness, Mm -hmm. They create our feelings. But that could be from the environment. It could be things that's happening. Yes, but it also could just be, It's a, but it's a reaction either to the environment or it begins in our cell. But we're not even aware of that reaction. Mm -hmm. So the thoughts create the feelings. The feelings then create the behavior. And of course, the behavior then shapes our life, you know. 
-hmm. And if you're just aware of this whole process, then you can bring a deeper intelligence to bear on the whole thing. <laughs> if you're not aware, then you're just reactive. You know, like a teacher takes a phone off a child in a classroom, he takes a knife out and stabs her. Yes. Nobody's aware of what's going on. And this is the behind all the gang violence we see in cities around the world. I think that's why now, just the one thing, it's uh, the, the the Premier League is now looking, not just the Premier League, but a lot of the leagues are looking at, to, at the mental health of the players and the mental side and how to help them mentally. And if you train your brain the same way that you train your body, you have more chances of, you know, you have you will have better performance. So, I mean, I work with, I work in education and I work with the players as well. So with both, but again, I, I see the same thing at schools. If you teach the children empathy about your feelings, about, you know, so many things, if you teach them from the start and you teach them in primary and secondary school, they just have a better understanding of themselves. Okay. Well, if, you, if you know how to communicate, then you know how to, you more open to understand your feelings and your emotions and the thoughts because you can express yourself. Yeah. And I think that's where we lack. That's beautifully said. So if you're not able to communicate, you're not able to understand either. And you know, the other side effect of that inability to communicate and understand is self-harm. 17% of teenagers are self-harming in most studies in the developed world almost one in five. And behind that is an inability to express or understand their emotions. So they end up harming themselves physically. But I think the Human Wisdom Project, Manoj, is, is really helpful here because it's a digital platform. It can yes. be spread. And the resources are fantastic that they're all really collated. And if you're interested in anxiety, you can explore just that and the, it's interactive. So I think even tools like this are... Uh, very much in need and it's on the phone anyway so no no no, i agree so in fact there's a communication module on the app and one of the first things we notice talking about our feelings is hard yeah. i'm so it's so easy for me to talk about the weather and the football and politics but get yeah. me to start talking about my stress or my anxiety yes. or and unless you know i'm paying i, I but even among friends, close friends, there isn't that communication channel. So I think we all need to deepen our communication in our existing relationships where it's possible to talk about how we're feeling. Okay, so Bhargavi, let's start summarizing. I think we've gone way past our usual hour. Uh, do you want to start summarizing what we've been talking about today so much yeah mm -hmm. so many riches yeah, think, in this conversation today yes it's been really really interesting yes um yeah just to summarize i think very briefly we went to so many places though um i think we started off with what is emotional intelligence in the first place and why we are why we need to be talking about it and we saw the kind of impact and the extent of impact it can have on our lives, on our happiness, on our suffering, uh, to know what emotions are and how to manage them and how to work with them, right? Um, and then we, I think importantly, we spoke about whether it's helpful to name emotions. Mm. 
um, and um, or just to stay with the experience of it without judgment, um, then to step back and look at the reasons for the emotion. Where, where is it coming from? Where are its roots in my thinking? And yes. is that true? And how do I know if it's true? Yes. Uh, can I question the thoughts and not fall into the trap of distortions or other forms of um, untrue thoughts which lead to unnecessary emotions? Yes. Um, we also spoke about how a deeper inquiry into emotions can help us find uh, whatever that emotion is trying to communicate, right, which could be helpful. But the slowing down and that gap that Jenny spoke about between trigger and reaction and to develop that space in our thinking so that we can respond rather than react from a place of emotion. Yes. Um, yeah. Do you Thank want to you. take it from there? There's more. I think one last thing I'd say is this brings compassion, a deeper understanding of our own emotional landscape brings compassion because it helps me to understand that you are the same human being I am. If I have no control over my emotions, you do have no control over yours. So to give people that space, you know, and if I don't have this deeper understanding, I've come to it, you know, after a lot of inner work, maybe you don't have it either. So once you realize deep down we're the same human being, it brings compassion. Well, thank you very much to everyone who's joined us. Um, and uh, I will share this recording with you all. Um, I think this deeper understanding of ourselves and how our minds work awakens this inner intelligence, which allows us then to manage our thoughts, our feelings, our actions, and of course then make the most of our life. Um, so thank you all and have a really nice weekend. This podcast came to you from the Human Wisdom Project. If you'd like to find out more, please download the Happier Me app. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye.